Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Cambria, accelerating the development and adoption of impactful robots. And by Squarespace, a dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we're going to talk about the future, the Internet of Things, the connectivity. You're going to wake up in the morning sometime in the future and your coffee is going to know exactly what you want. And the companies that make that coffee maker are also going to know. And that's why we're talking to the CEO and founder of Streamer, Henry Pakala, about Datacoin and putting your data, your internet of things, your everyday, day in, day out, going to work, coming home data on the blockchain so you can monetize it and get paid for it if you wish. And after you hear this conversation, please go to our YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron, to get my full opinion on talking to Henry. Also, go to Crypto101podcast.com. Check out our blogs. Our blog writers are putting up blogs about conversations that we're having, streamer, Zen, Brock Pierce, everybody else that comes on the show, there's probably a blog for it. Also, become a Patreon. Patreons are the backbone of the community. You keep Crypto 101 going. And also, remember to join your favorite social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so you can stay updated on what we're doing and have conversations with a lot of like-minded people. If you're going to the Facebook page, please remember to answer all three questions or we won't let you in. We do this to screen people so we know that nobody's going to get scammed or spammed. We want a nice community. Without further ado, here's Henry Pakala of Streamer. We'll see you after the show. Henry Pakala, welcome to Crypto 101. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. So what we're going to do today is... This is kind of our normal format. And our normal format is first, we want to know about you. Get to know about your background, your history, a little bit about you, just yourself personally, things that you like, things you don't like. Then I want to go into one thing that you're doing with the blockchain, you're tackling, you're envisioning, and that's smart cities. I want to know what a smart city is. And we're going to use a guy named Johnny. And what I would like you to do is walk Johnny's day through, starting in the morning, getting coffee taking a shower, going to work, finding a parking spot, and then so on and so forth. And then maybe a little bit about how your company on the blockchain is going to facilitate this. And then some general questions. What do you think, sir? Yeah, let's do it. All right, then let's start with you. Henry, who are you? <laughs> okay, so um, I'm Henry. Hi, Henry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, 34, I'm 34 years old. I've been working with real-time data for the past 10 years. Uh, I have a master's degree in in computer science. I began my career in finance, in algorithmic trading, to be precise. So we created technology and a, and a platform and models that traded stocks automatically. Listen to incoming data streams from the marketplace, um, the stock exchange, and 
automatically executed buy and sell orders on the market attempting to to make a profit there and did you make a profit and yeah it was actually profitable <laughs> a little bit but not really the great success that we were hoping for it turned okay. out that we were like we were making great technology but we were maybe average traders at the end of the day <laughs> so the one thing we learned from there is that Real-time data can have huge value and huge potential, especially when combined with technology and automation. And that's something that kind of sparked the idea for the early versions of Streamer in the first place. But we can talk a little bit more about that and how it led to uh, what is Streamer today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, what else about me? We're heading today for a company retreat for this week, and I brought my juggling uh, equipment with me. So maybe that's a random, <laughs> random fact for people to know. <laughs> Henry, where are you right now? Uh, I'm at the office uh, in Zug, Switzerland. Uh, not many people here at the moment, as people are like already heading for the retreat, which is in the mountains at something like 1,400 meters. Oh, that's above awesome. Sea level. That's yeah, awesome. We'll so you're be there you're, until Friday. You're a juggler. <laughs> Indeed, balls and balls and clubs. <laughs> balls and clubs. So you brought your juggling equi equipment to entertain this, the team, or well, well or practice, or you just want to? <laughs> I hope it's not only not only work. Of course, it will be some heavy lifting for sure. But in the evenings, I hope we get a chance to relax a little. And what else would be a better? landscape and scenery to do some juggling in than like the, the beautiful Alps. So there you have it. <laughs> right on. Cool, man. Cool. All right. So let's go into this smart city. I don't know where you envision this smart city to be, but let's just say it's anywhere. And Johnny is living in this smart future city. Can you walk Johnny through his day? Yeah, sure. I can try. It will be a little bit of improvised, but I think that's what we're That's we're beautiful. Here for. Johnny's <laughs> yeah. waking up in the morning. His alarm clock goes off. Let's go from there. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, the first thing Johnny will notice that his coffee is already made for him because his smart device, smart home has, has set that up for him. He might take a look at his, his phone. If we have phones at the time, maybe it's a brain, brain to computer interface or, or whatever. But let's say it's a phone still. Looks at his phone, sees his daily agenda, which an AI has done for him automatically. He can see how he has earned some, some data coin or other cryptocurrency with his daily activities from the past week or so by sharing his data to, for example, transport authorities or a taxi company or advertisers or whatever. He wakes up, he goes to get his coffee. Uh, he can see that his ride, which is obviously already like um, a robot car, is coming for him in, in 30 minutes. He takes a quick shower, hops into the robot car, which automatically transports him to his to his workplace. Not much looking for a parking space, really, because all the parking spaces are censored. And the car can automatically see what is the nearest free parking space to his to his office, takes him there, he hops off, payment is done automatically, nothing to worry about. Maybe the car uh, sticks around for a while because it's need, it needs a recharge. So by staying 10 minutes or five minutes in the parking space, it recharges itself, then it drives off to pick, pick the next guy. 
Johnny walks into the, the office building, the elevator comes automatically, he doesn't need to wait for the elevator, he doesn't need to press the elevator call button, it just appears because it detected that Johnny entered the building, the elevator knows where he's going, which floor and so on, and it can optimize its, its operations. Johnny goes to the office, the, the lights are on, the air conditioning is on, but not to waste uh, in order to not waste energy, they were just switched on a little bit before Johnny arrived to the office. Uh, his desk is all set up and so on. Um, Johnny goes about his work. Do you know what Johnny does for a living? I'm not too <laughs> sure. He, this is your story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he might be, for example, a, a traffic coordinator in a, in a um, traffic authority or so on. Yeah, that's a good job for Johnny. I like that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, how does the traffic work in a, in, a, in a smart city? I mean, cars are automated. What's there for Johnny to do? Well, maybe Johnny uh, supervises how things are, do, uh, things are going. He has a real-time view uh, on his seven screens in front of uh, Johnny's workstation. <laughs> he can see what's happening everywhere in the city, starting from, from traffic lights to pollution levels. You know, everything, like a 360-degree view of, of Johnny's city. And maybe it only takes one guy, Johnny, to, to kind of monitor and, and administrate that city. Like top-notch efficiency there. One guy runs the whole operations of the city with all the devices connected, all the devices producing information and, and remotely controllable. Most of the time, Johnny sees that everything is okay. He doesn't need to do anything. He just needs to, to verify that everything is, is okay and intervene if, if necessary. Johnny gets hungry. He doesn't need to go out for lunch, but instead he clicks a button and maybe a drone flies to Johnny's balcony and delivers him a, a pizza or whatever. <laughs> That's his favorite food nowadays. Um, everything runs smoothly. Johnny gets off work uh, in the evening. He uses a dating service or, or, or whatever. Mm. And AI has set up these dates and booked the restaurants for him automatically. He hops in a car, arrives uh, to the restaurant. His date is already waiting there. They have a nice, nice dinner there. And, uh, you know, like things in the future, they will just flow. They will just flow automatically, effortlessly. There's no friction anywhere. Everything is so efficient. Uh, all the pain points have been eliminated and people are being kind of supported by AIs and measurements and the technology and the cars take routes with the least pollution and the least traffic in there in order to improve the lives of everyday person. Right on. I like that story. And I think Johnny likes that story, too. I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi futurist kind of guy. I always love looking at technology and all the cool little in innovation and techie things that are going to come out and tech the tech in the future that I don't know anything about, but just make my life a lot easier and a lot cooler. But I have a couple of questions about your vision of the future and just related to the blockchain space. Safety, privacy, monitoring, all these things that you said has to have Johnny hooked up to a network of seamless streaming of data. Johnny will never be able to escape all of this monitoring. Is this a really good future? How does it 
infringe on rights? Does it infringe on rights? And how do you envision those things to be mitigated in the future? The rights, the privacy, the freedom? That's a great question. I think it's a good future only if Johnny is actually in control of his data. And that's one of the key things that we are trying to accomplish as a company and as part of the, the streamer vision. So what we want to do is decentralize the data that Johnny and others like him are producing. And what that will mean is that the data does not end up with, uh, with the conglomerates. It does not end up with like one or two large companies running the world and collecting everyone's data and monetizing that data for their own business and their own purposes, giving not much of anything to, to Johnny. So that's certainly something that can change in the future with the help of technology, things like decentralization, encryption, getting the data producers, whether it's individuals or organizations like smart factories or vehicles roaming the smart city. All of them are producing data. They need to be in control of that data and they need to be able to monetize the data that they are producing. So that's why the blockchain is needed and that's why Streamer is needed. For Streamer to act as a kind of um, technical infrastructure in that view, transporting the data and storing the data, getting it to where it needs to go. But then again, like by using the blockchain as a, as a payment infrastructure or value infrastructure, and smart contracts that allows the data producers to, to benefit and control their data and monetize their data. Uh, imagine, for example, a scenario where you'd be driving around in a car mm -hmm. and at, at the same time, your car is making measurements of the environment. It can detect potholes. It can detect maybe pollution levels, mm -hmm. traffic congestion, cell tower signal strength, all the variables that can be measured from the environment and this is valuable data and not everyone is interested in all that data but someone is interested in in each kind of data that the car can measure and johnny could actually sell this data to those parties interested and this is what streamer is trying to accomplish it will become possible to crowdsource this kind of data that machines can measure while performing their primary tasks like transporting johnny to work right, right. so it will be a very interesting scenario like in a taxi in a taxi you have a meter that's ticking away like spending your money right maybe in the future <laughs> cars will have like an inverse of this, there's a meter that can show like you're making money. <laughs> how much you're making money right. by by roaming the environment. So, so you, maybe we can turn that around. So you think that Johnny, and this goes back to my original question, Johnny would and should be able to turn off his data, go to the woods and maybe open his own doors make his own coffee and call his own elevator. Yeah, sure. I mean, people can, can go to the woods already today. The difference is that today you don't get to decide, really, if you want to use the technology. I mean, you can live in a cave and just not use technology, and that's fine, but that necessarily doesn't improve Johnny's quality of life, depending on what Johnny likes, of course. But the goal should be that people are all able to use the technologies that they want to use, but keep control of their data instead of A, giving it away for free, or B, 
giving it away without knowing that they're giving it away. Mm -hmm. We're going to go into uh, the functionality and the function of the data token here soon. But I, I can't want to keep going through this whole future city and how Johnny's living in it. And next question I have is, you have all these cities around the world. Let's just say Dubai, New York, San Fran, Taipei. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to have their own ideas of a smart city, their own ideas of, of their smart city on the blockchain. If I'm living in, say, Dubai, I have to use their, their blockchain. I have to use it if I'm in, say, Taipei. What makes me free from their monitoring, free from their, what is the possibility, I guess, of me actually making money off this data instead of them making money? How, what are the challenges that your companies face to help facilitate the average person getting these benefits that you just talked about? I think one important thing there is that we need to really follow the promise of decentralization and building a global network. So things aren't ideal if there's a, a network for Dubai or a blockchain for Dubai. I think what people should instead be aiming for is to have a global neutral ground for for both the kind of blockchain side of things as well as the data side of things, uh, which is what Streamer is trying to, to take, um, take care of. So if we end up in a situation where companies, countries are building their own networks, I think that can be useful as a kind of stepping stone into this new technology, but it shouldn't be the end goal. The end goal to, should be to have a uniform global thing, not controlled by any any single entity, but instead decent, decentralized in the very meaning of the world. And that ensures, and that is actually required to ensure that your data keeps with you because that is the way how the network build. And that's the only way that the network is built. So let's go back to the coffee maker. Johnny wakes up and his coffee maker is making him coffee. That means the coffee maker already knows Johnny's schedule, already knows how Johnny takes his coffee, already knows the temperature and maybe even the brew. I'm personally a dark roast guy. So I kind of imagine Johnny to be a dark roast guy himself. So, <laughs> yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> so how are you fitting in between Johnny and that coffee maker? Because if Johnny buys a coffee maker, the coffee maker just sends data to wherever it wants. It's owned by, say, Black & Decker or owned by Nespresso. Why isn't it just doing its own thing? And how does Streamer and Data Token kind of cut into the middle of that? Sure. So maybe we can start from the raw data that, that Johnny is producing. He interacts with smart devices, maybe the, the most prominent of which is the mobile phone, which is his primary access point to, to his digital life, right? And he's sharing the information uh, produced by his phone, maybe his GPS location, maybe his calendar markings can be on a kind of aggregate level. Uh, it can be on a very precise level. It could be on an anonymous level for some use cases. But Johnny gets to decide what information is made available about him and to whom and for which price. Maybe the coffee maker has actually purchased access to Johnny's data instead of just, you know, obtaining it via forcing Johnny to use a particular application that spies on him, right? which is the, the, the prominent way of doing this today. Like you're giving up your data for better services. But in the future, maybe the competition for smart coffee makers is so fierce that 
that some of the coffee makers say that, okay, we'll, we respect your privacy. We, we are willing to offer you a better service than the, the other company, the other coffee machine maker. We're going to buy your data off the marketplace where you're making it available. Johnny and the coffee maker reach an agreement encoded technically into a smart contract. The coffee maker can access specific parts of Johnny's data stream. And by that, they can gain a competitive advantage over other coffee makers by leveraging Johnny's data. And Johnny is happy. I mean, he gets paid for his data, but of course, he also <laughs> pays for or the coffee machine itself. Maybe it's on a monthly billing, so the coffee maker is smart. They can actually cover the costs of buying Johnny's data by putting it into their pricing or whatever. But the different kind of ecosystems can emerge from this uh, where data has value and that value is going to the origin uh, of that data. This is how I kind of envision it. You know, Johnny's going to buy this coffee maker. So, safe. okay, what prevents the coffee maker from reselling Johnny's data, for example? What prevents piracy in this environment? I mean, of course, if there's a marketplace for data, if there's a system with user-provided content, it will always be possible to abuse that, right? And like... The latest Disney movie gets uploaded to YouTube every every day or every hour or, or whatever, right. and, and they simply take it down uh, when someone complains, and that's possible because that's a centralized. There's like a police or, or authority in YouTube. They can just simply take down a video if someone complains about it. But how does this work in a decentralized environment? Maybe there's some kind of reputation systems mm -hmm. at play. Uh, give you the current guarantee that the players there mean well, basically. So the, the reputation of the coffee maker, for example, might be high. They might have placed a stake into the system so that what they're basically guaranteeing is like, hey, if we do anything that we shouldn't be doing, we're going to lose this money, right? They stake, they bet on their own goodwill. Right. And if someone disputes that, it goes to some kind of community dispute, dispute resolution and the coffee maker will get a big hit in their reputation and lose the stake that they put in there uh, if they go like reselling people's data or not delivering what they promised. So it will be a mechanism based on incentives and reputations and technology instead of trust because trust mm -hmm. we've seen simply doesn't work. We've seen that with the Facebook scandal this spring Mm -hmm. We've seen it in numerous other occasions. So what we should be aiming for instead, instead of trust, we should be aiming for trustless. Right. Meaning that the technology and the system, that the mechanics of the system gives the necessary guarantees instead of you needing to trust a company to handle your data properly. I was, uh, you know, kind of, I'm kind of think of Johnny, you know, buying that coffee maker, bringing it home and he takes it out of the box and then he gets the app and he's turning, clicking on and off permissions of different data, like how many cups he drank in a day. Eh, let's turn that one on. That's not a big deal. What kind of roast he buys. Eh, well, let's turn that one on. And what time he drinks the coffee. Eh, well, actually, I'm going to turn that one off. So he's kind of like dictating what kind <laughs> of uh, information that they're all collecting. However, I hate to beat dead horses, but I'm skeptical. <laughs> To be honest with you, I'm really skeptical and I don't, and I don't know why and I'm not convinced. I've talked to other people that are trying to do you know, controlled data on the blockchain. I just don't understand and maybe you can convince me and the listeners why companies would do this. And I know you said that maybe you know a lot of people are going to try to compete for your data for the coffee maker, the smart coffee maker. And then this one's going to do it with you know trust and, and uh, transparency. But why don't they just tell you to, to F off? Why don't they just tell everybody to F off? And the reason why I'm so skeptical is like I'm looking at – after my conversation with Datum, 
And Datum said, you know, we'll be, we're building this app and you can use this app to log into Facebook, log into Google network or whatever the thing's called. I don't, I don't use it, as you can see. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you log into Facebook and then you, you through Datum, you are controlling your data. And then the natural question is, why doesn't Facebook just say you cannot log in with third party devices or third party apps? So why is this going to work? Convince us. Yeah, I mean, maybe the, the Johnny and the coffee maker is kind of a toy example. Uh, it will happen, but it will take some intermediate steps to, to reach that stage. So we're, we're talking maybe 10 years, 15 years there. And there will be a lot of development already in the meantime, but it might not be on the level of a particular individual just yet. Instead, it will be on organizational levels, smart factories in the industry. And that's fine, like smart cars and so on. I can't comment on the, on the Dayton case, of course. We are not trying to force people to use our app or anything like that. We don't even have, have an app for, for that kind of data collection. We think that doesn't make uh, too much sense. Instead, what we want to do is enable service providers, application makers to integrate that capability into their own applications so that when people use the things that they use anyway, like drive a car, then they will get the advantage that the technology enables. Uh, let's say, why, why would this be good? Why, why would this happen in the first place? Let's say you have two cars. Mm -hmm. uh, you have car A and car B here, and you're, you're buying a car. Those cars A and B, they have similar properties. You like both of them. They're like, you're indifferent um, in which car you would choose for yourself. But car B has the feature that you just described. You can click like what data you want the car to collect and what data you want it to make available on a marketplace for a price, right? So the car B allows you to earn money while driving and car A is just a simple older generation dumb car that can't do this. Mm -hmm. So of course you go for car B because it's otherwise similar, but in this respect, it's way better. So it's a competitive advantage for the car maker to empower the people with, with control on their data and the ability to monetize that. Maybe in an intermediate step, it will be the car makers, uh, the makers of smart cars that will collect data on their users and monetize it. But because of the very reason that it's a competitive advantage to empower the user, the end user, the customer, he's the king, right? So whatever we can do for him at the end of the day wins the game for all these widget manufacturers, car manufacturers, makers of any service. So would you flick on a switch in your car that says like, earn me $5 per day by measuring the cell tower signal strength and sharing it with the, anonymously with the mobile network operators. Mm -hmm. I mean, sure you would, yeah, like sure. who would? It doesn't compromise your privacy. It doesn't cost you anything. Right. The only thing you have in there is, is to gain. Either it's zero or, or something marginal. I mean, we're not talking about big earnings. It's probably not going to offset your uh, the cost of your car anytime soon. <laughs> but anyway, like by combining these little tiny revenue streams from you living your ordinary life, 
it could actually earn you um, something significant each month. Right. So that would be an extra that we can we can get. Plus, it can improve the services, and you would know what the data being shared is and how it's being used and by whom, and earn money by doing so. This is completely different from what's happening today, right? You don't know where your data is going, it's how it's being used. Everything is embedded in like 50 pages long privacy policies that nobody true. actually reads. They just press like, accept 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 yes 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 next <laughs> you know so so maybe that's something that will change in the future and for example legislation like gdpr is a good good step forward for today's world where these big companies are collecting the data and not necessarily handling it in a responsible way but in the future also the legislation side of things will probably become a little bit more redundant than it, than it is today because everything is guaranteed in a sense by the system that's being built. But I repeat, this will take time, right. of course, and certain mind shift from companies as well as maybe individuals as well. And now a word from our sponsor, Squarespace. Hey, are you ready to start your new business? A dream is just a great idea that doesn't have a website yet. Make it a reality with Squarespace. People that are using Squarespace right now, artists, writers, bloggers, photographers, and even podcasts. Things you could do with Squarespace. You could turn your cool idea into a beautiful working website to showcase your work, blog or publish content, and sell products and services of all kinds. You can even promote your physical business. Squarespace uses templates, and these templates are created by world-class designers powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell just about anything and you're able to customize look and feel easily just by basically dragging and dropping and following the simple instructions they provide make your dream stand out with squarespace go to squarespace.com crypto for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use the promo code crypto that's c-r-y-p-t-o to save 10 percent off your first purchase on a website or domain that's squarespace.com crypto and when you're ready to purchase promo code crypto to save 10 percent on your first purchase now back to the show and now a word from our sponsor our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cambria. Cambria is an open, innovative platform designed to accelerate the development and adoption of impactful robots. Developers can build projects on the Cambria codebase using the KDNA coding language, then submit it for payouts in CAT token. Cambria aims to put robots in the hands of billions of people. Cambria's partners include Carnegie Mellon, Stanford, Autodesk, JVN Institute, and more. Cambria plans its beta release and tokens in the third quarter of 2018 and for its full launch in the second quarter of 2019. For more information, check out cambria.io. That's K-A-M-B-R-I-A dot I-O to check out their roadmap, their partners, their tokens, and their innovative solution for bringing robots to the masses. Now, back to our show. So now I have two questions from that. What kind of time frame do you have for your company then? If you say this is going to take time, you have a company, you have a team, you guys are going on, on a retreat. Do you think uh, that yeah. your com- company is only going to be, and I, I'm not saying that it's not relevant or it's not important, but do you think it's only going to be mainstream, big, or I guess wildly adopted in 10 years and you have a 10 year goal for your company? And then my second question is with every company, even with like, you know, a little little company like a podcast company like I have, I think of the worst case scenarios. What is the doomsday worst case scenario for the Internet of Things and people controlling your data if you do not have control? So first about the timeline. I mean, we haven't given ourselves strict deadlines for creating the technology. In the beginning, when we started the project, we said like reaching the planned roadmap would take around three to five years. I think three is a little bit optimistic. Five might be a little bit pessimistic. Uh, so maybe we're in that in that range. And it seems really good. We've been like exceeding our our internal goals so far. In the beginning, we thought that, for example, building and launching the data marketplace would take 12 months, but we managed to do it in six and actually launched it a month ago at the consensus conference in New York. So that was a great thing for us and we're all super happy. Of course, it's just the beginning, like celebrating that this is possible. And as I said, it will still take a lot of time to actually become like part of the daily data economy, as well as it requires the blockchain technology to to kind of break through into into the everyday lives of people. Mm-hmm. And that is another thing, of course, will will take some time. Now, you mentioned that what are the overall goals of the company? How long will it take? time to to become profitable and so on maybe first i should underline that this is not your traditional company right the format might be a foundation just as well or a dao so what we're doing is we're creating open source technology crowdfunded by the community that wants to see this change happen so becoming profitable or creating a sustainable business model is not our primary task our primary task is to create technology and deploy it into use cases that we think have an impact 
in the world and how things are done today and that we that we will accomplish with our partners which includes some big household names like Hewlett Packard Enterprises Nokia OSI Soft which is big in the industry so this is something that we'll be working on in addition of the of the technology whether that will like spark some profitable longer lasting business models in the future that we don't don't know yet that might be the case we might be offering this thing for some like commercial consortium environments as a kind of separate thing from the publicly available things that might spark a business model we might resell some data on our own marketplace or whatever. This is not something that we need to actively go for at the moment because we are still in the phase of building the technology, um, showing the use cases, creating proof of concept with these big companies and so on. So let's see. We're in this in uh, for the long run for sure, at least five years to create the technology, maybe longer to kind of see the maturity of, of everything that will follow okay, from that. So well, okay, this is a little bit of a sidestep, but if you think about the internet as a kind of analog mm -hmm. to this technology, that took like over 20 years to traverse the whole journey from being an academic curiosity and then a military thing right. and then a thing for like propeller heads and, and, and nerds to start tinkering with <laughs> and to the early businesses, the, the big IT bubble and the first crash and then the maturity phase of things. And I think we're still on that kind of maturity of, of the internet. I think the blockchain space and the decentralized space will face a similar journey of over 20 years to become mature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Up to that statement that you just made is the difference between the companies are before it, it was always like you know some guy tinkering his garage you always have the you know everybody saw the picture of amazon where you have jeff bezos in his office with a with a hand-drawn you know sign of yeah, amazon yeah. in there and then you have the everybody's seen the picture of steve jobs garage where he did everything Companies now, ICOs, these blockchain companies are valued in the millions. I think your market cap today was 25 million. And these are people that are giving money for the idea of you that you have. They're believing in this idea. So coming back to say something being profitable or not too profitable or not looking at profitability, but trying to build these this platform for the future, is that really in the best spirit of investors? Yeah, I mean, in this space, we typically don't even call them investors, we call them contributors. That's how the, the system is built. I mean, this is a great chance for people to fund the development of open source technology, like, which has previously kind of been based on donations. But now people can actually have a real incentive to support these projects via the tokenization mechanism. So what the role of the data token is that it represents the value in data. It's not an investment vehicle, it, it's a vehicle of, of utility and a kind of way to capture the value in data. It has many different roles in our ecosystem, it's been used as a means of payment, it's being used as an integral part of the incentive mechanism that helps us achieve decentralization. So you can kind of contribute your computing resources, your bandwidth to the mm -hmm. network and earn data tokens in return. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit like mining for proof of work networks like Bitcoin or Ethereum, but we don't call it mining because you're not solving this artificial hashing, guessing a hash 
problem. Instead, you're <laughs> okay. contributing useful resources like <laughs> bandwidth to the network to establish the service that the network provides, which okay. is the data delivery. I just so, want to correct myself, um, and I apologize. Your market cap today is 57 million, not 25 million. I don't know where I saw 25. <laughs> so I mm -hmm. want to just tell everybody that I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, sure. And where are you checking that from? ApogeeCrypto.com. Good. Yeah. Anyway, and your your other question was well, yes, the, the doomsday, the doomsday yeah, scenario. The doomsday scenario. I mean, yeah. I mean, things can of course go horribly wrong in many different ways. There's a couple of friction points for the blockchain base and industry in general, and then there might be some points also relevant to our specific kind of corner of that overall space. So maybe if we start with the kind of uh, overall thing, of course, the blockchain thing is very new. It's still kind of subject to clarifying all kinds of regulations in that space, especially related to funding the projects and the state of the tokens. There's been a lot of debate whether whether tokens are securities or not. How can these startups like fund themselves and still play by the book if there's no book to play by? So we need clear rules in there and of course like there can still be catastrophes happening like hacks and mm -hmm. you know just 51 percent attacks on some network by miners miners reaching a majority and committing fraud or whatever we don't know what can happen like all the bad things that can happen i guess the question is is not that all the bad things that happen i mean if we say doomsday of course you know we could have a terminator uprising and then we have skynet yeah, yeah, the world. i mean yeah, sure obviously the we can slippery slope this to, to you know sci-fi movie status you know blockbuster yeah. um, arnold schwarzenegger but i guess that even with my podcast i i say i make a podcast for the average consumer and the doomsday scenario is for me the worst case scenario is that the average consumer gets missed in the whole blockchain movement that's why i'm doing this what is the thing that you're worried that would be missed what is what is the thing that you're trying to protect why are you there why are you putting up this system and who's it for personally i'm afraid that the mind shift doesn't happen like companies and organizations they will they will keep putting data in silos and not exploring the value of that data externally and not empowering the end user they're coming from the old world so the safest bet for them is to try and grasp the kind of control and power that they've they've had uh, up so far and i think that will be a losing strategy on the long run because those who think differently can actually win the game i'm referring back to the car a and car b example like car a is trying to keep the data for themselves and car b is allowing you to monetize your data so people will eventually choose car b because it's simply better. And uh, this will, of course, need the consumers to also realize that there are differences in different products in this matter. So maybe that's something that kind of needs to uh, educate people on what their rights should be and how those rights are being violated today. Mm -hmm. I got you. I got you. Now I think we finally arrived at the biggest question is how does data coin work how do they use data yeah, coin yeah. and how do they spend it how do they make that money the thing you can use data coin today for as a means of payment on the marketplace and also as a kind of means of earning for your data at the same time 
Maybe here I should also say that we're building a feature we call community product, which is exactly meant for the kind of scenario where where you could crowdsource the data and earn by sharing your own data as an individual that uses a certain device, like a certain brand of phone or a certain kind of car or something like this. So how it basically would work from the user uh, perspective is that when you use your device, you go to settings, you flick on a switch to start sharing your data in this kind of pool of data related to that specific product. And you can see how much data coins you're earning for sharing that data. And that's that's kind of one use for the data token as well as, as a means of representing the value in that um, data that you're producing. Of course, the, the data token itself has also and will have other properties. It will be used um, as an integral part of the incentivization mechanism on the network, rewarding the contributors of bandwidth and storage. So the participants, the technical participants of the community to, to make the service happen, mm-hmm. as well as a basis for the reputation systems the staking that's going on. So these are all quite technical. So from the point of view of, of the kind of uh, user that intera- interacts with the systems, it will be the currency in which you get paid for your data that you produce. Not just individuals, but also organizations, companies that are already, for example, selling data on, on their own on the on their own silos or other marketplaces or whatever. What about the off ramp? So you get your data token, you have you maybe you earned quite a little bit and you got a couple thousand dollars and now you want to cash it out and <laughs> take go go for a night on the town, buy a bottle of Moet and and you know, do it upright. Is the off ramp the same? Is they they'll have to turn it back into Bitcoin and then Bitcoin into whatever fiat you're using from whatever exchange? Or do you have plans in the future to make that more seamless? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really up to us um, primarily. It's up to, to the exchanges, up to wallet makers, how easy this process can be made. I certainly hope that the kind of usability friction that exists there today would be would be overcome over time. And that's a huge task. I think that's the biggest threshold preventing people from from kind of joining the crypto ecosystem is that it's a little tricky and complicated at the moment. I, I think it's just because it's still immature, it's still early days, there's various kind of regulations that need to be considered, uh, which is good because we don't want to ruin this space by allowing like criminals or money launderers or, or whatever to, to kind of smear the reputation of the whole, whole space. There's mm-hmm. a lot of project doing very serious stuff so, so I would hate to uh, see that happen. So we need to navigate in between the the kind of technical constraints and the legal constraints. I think it will get better in the future. Like ideally, these tokens and cryptographic assets would be like easily convertible from one to another, even automatically convertible from one to another without needing to bother the end user with, with these things. So maybe there's another service, like let's say you have earned some data coin and then there's some service like a, I don't know, parking service or whatever that you want to use that mm. costs money. Right. So you could easily just, you know, tell your smart wallet that, look, I want to pay for this parking. Right. Take whatever coins are in my wallet to execute that transaction. So the right. user doesn't need to explicitly do these conversions anymore. Mm-hmm. Instead, it would be handled automatically by their wallet, which is only concerned. Like everyone will have a, a kind of portfolio of 
some crypto assets, which they have earned somewhere by doing some things and, and spending by using the services that they spend. And the wallet should be the place where all of these are kind of handled and converted and managed without needing much user interaction. I think it's possible, but that again will take a little bit of time, plus the ability to actually actually spend more crypto in for various services. Right. That's something that still isn't happening at the moment. But let's say that governments hold on the crypto train and digitalize their currency so that you'd have like a, a digital version of the US dollar or the euro or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the vendors of ordinary services or even like coffee shops or, or grocery stores would start accepting payments in these same currency as before, but just a different implementation of that. And that's completely doable and completely possible. Right. It would only require the governments to jump in and then the payment um, payment processors to kind of support that. So I don't think, for example, like if you think about Bitcoin, people have thought that, okay, paying payments would be the killer app for Bitcoin, but that has proven to be untrue. I mean, we've, we've waited for almost 10 years for that to happen and it still hasn't happened. So I don't think it will. Instead, there will be other solutions for that. Do you mind if we go into some general questions now? Yeah, sure. All right, cool. Do you have any crypto? <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. That's good. Indeed, I, indeed, I do. I don't like actively speculate on, on, on crypto assets, nor can I recommend that to anyone. As everyone should know, it's super risky. You shouldn't do that. You will lose your money. Uh, these are the kind of disclaimers. <laughs> Here, I, I do. I wish you told crypto- me about that about a year ago. I would I'd be in a better situation right now. <laughs> I, I like to keep myself involved in this space in every every way possible. So sure, I I hold some crypto for for personal fun and interest. But cool. What do you what are you holding? If you, if if you don't mind, I mean, you don't have to say how much, of course. But what what companies are you holding? A little bit of Bitcoin, a little bit of Ethereum. Maybe I'd prefer not to disclose, but I can I can tell you that. Of course, like everyone, everyone in the streamer project are incentivized to to work on streamer mm-hmm. and to make um, make streamer great. Um, <clears throat> then we have certain friends in this space, partnerships mm-hmm. with, for example, the Golem project. So interested in following the development of, of that project. Of course, we'll be, we're building on top of Ethereum technology. In a sense, Streamer is blockchain agnostic. I mean, we could work with any smart contract platform mm-hmm. out there. Maybe Streamer will, in the long run, uh, evolve to be this overarching um, data transport layer, like encompassing uh, or working alongside multiple different smart contract platforms. But today, Ethereum is is the only ecosystem that we feel is like production ready and serious and has a good developer community and has good people like thinking about how to move it forward. So. So certainly also uh, we're closely following the development of the Ethereum space. Right on. So who's who's the person that you look up to in the space? If there's somebody there that you say is very credible, that, you know, if they're tweeting or on the news, you're going to listen, you're going to read. Who's that guy? And because we, we might want to follow him, too. 
<laughs> yeah. Poor girl. I said, who's that guy? But that is ge- definitely gender neutral. Uh, got it. So most people will probably say Vitalik. I do respect him uh, a lot and looking forward to hopefully meeting him at the TechCrunch event that's um, coming up in a few weeks here in Zug, uh, which Vitalik is also also attending. And there will be an Ethereum, uh, Ethereum Foundation event on the next day. So that as well. There's a lot of smart people in this space. There's like, for example, Joseph Poon been working on, on Plasma and the, the founder of the Lightning Network. Really enjoy his presentations every time. Really enjoy talking to the Omisa Go people. Bonsai is great. A great example of a, of a very smart and powerful woman in this space, which is great. We should have more more women in the space uh, in order to prevent it from coming this like manly you know nerdy <laughs> thing that it, it it easily ends up because too, it's too very late technical. too late yeah yeah it's, it's too late but i mean the the reputation of the space can also change over time and Absolutely. that has already happened for for computer science and it in general and i hope it will happen for for blockchain but it it needs great examples like vansa uh, to in order to happen because people need Need to have people to um, look up to mm-hmm. idols idols in this in this space generally i enjoy working in the blockchain space for the very reason that almost anyone you meet anyone you talk to is is brilliant and wants to improve the world from from what it is today so that's why i really enjoy uh, staying in this space right on what project do you think will have the most impact in the future if there's besides streamer of course what are some projects yeah. that you're looking at that says, you know, this is going to be something big? I think in general, the idea of decentralized applications is, is the disruptive one. And mm-hmm. who will make that happen, like like really happen? Who can make the new version of, of how applications are built? I don't know. I think that project doesn't exist yet. Such. We've seen kind of the early stages. We've seen the first attempts at this, but there's still such a long way to to go to make like um, an application stack that would be very flexible in in terms of what kind of applications can be built. Ethereum is kind of covering one angle to that in terms of smart contracts and how they could be used as back end for for a decentralized application. Then there's for for example IPFS and the Protocol Labs guys who are creating technology that that covers kind of other parts uh, of that system like like file storage or or hosting mm-hmm. like assets for applications or, or things like this. Like people ask what will be the killer application for decentralized applications that will be like all of them. All of them will be the killer application. Uh, but the killer application will be the decentralized application, okay. which simply isn't happening yet. So, right. so we're still in the kind of middleware. We're, we're still in the kind of technical infrastructure that will enable all applications to move to kind of this new technology that can have like trivially executed value transfers, trustlessness, control of your data, impossible to spy on what you're doing and things like this. 
but that will take some time. And currently, the killer applications are like ICOs and CryptoKitties, right? We're not at the end station for sure. We're, we're at the very first steps on a road towards new kinds of applications. And already the thing that we have a way to, very new disruptive way to, to crowdfund new kinds of projects, the ICO, that's, that's already a, an interesting development. But I, I certainly don't think it will stop there. Mm-hmm. You'll see all kinds of use cases ranging from, you know, insurance to new kinds of social media. You mentioned Facebook earlier. There will be a battle of these old centralized players like Facebook and Car A. Mm-hmm. And these two kind of players like decentralized social media and car B that lets you earn by driving that car. And eventually, I think the new generation will win or the old generation really needs to transform their business models into something that empowers the end users instead of trying to, you know, reap benefits from controlling and monetizing their data for advertising. Crypto 101 is positioned itself to be maybe the first step when people start to get into the space. You know, if they're thinking about investing, they might go, hey, Cryptocurrency 101, and hey, guess who pops up? It's this podcast. So it's very possible that for somebody or multiple people, this might be the first podcast they listen to. What would be your advice to them? I mean, first of all, that's amazing uh, that that there's an, a kind of media that can help onboard people into this new kind of thinking so that people are kind of aware of what's happening in the field of technology. And I'm not talking about speculation and investment. That's, of course, the kind of thing that people get interested in first. Like, is this a way to mm-hmm. make money? And and, right. and certainly it's not, or at least it's not easier than, you know, going studying. Going right. <laughs> yeah, going to work or, or studying, like doing your due diligence on ordinary startups and, and then making up your mind <laughs> right. based on that. People ask me if, if I think the speculation is a good thing or a bad thing. Well, generally, it's kind of a bad thing because it takes the focus away from the underlying technology and the Mm -hmm. promise of what we can achieve and how the world can change. But also, if it was only about technology, then it wouldn't be interesting to to such a, a big audience. Right. Need some kind of stepping stone to get into into the space. Exactly. So so fine. Like. You do whatever you want. Remember that it's very risky. You will lose your money. But uh, but while doing so, you will probably learn about some new developments in technology and the possibilities that are enabled by that. So that's all positive. So stay curious. Stay, en- stay enthusiastic. Don't dream about quick wins. They don't exist. Instead, <laughs> learn about the technology and learn about how people today and companies today are misusing, abusing your data uh, and, and how this can change in the future. And not just by us. I mean, I don't even care if we are the ones who, who can make that happen or if it's somebody else. It's most important that it happens like done by someone. Right. right. We're certainly trying to do it. But if someone else is better at accomplishing that, then, then good. We're all better off. Right. right. Because it happened. The world just got improved. And that's great. <laughs> right on, man. Thank you for that. And I, I know that the listeners are going to appreciate that advice as well. Before I ask this last question, Henry Picala, CEO and founder of Streamer. I want to say thank you for your hour and coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And waking up early in the morning 
to come on our show. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me. But, uh, by the I way, are you coffee of... or tea? Uh, I've been trying to learn coffee, actually. I've been tea <laughs> all my life, but I've made this huge leap in my personal life trying to learn to appreciate coffee, and I'm slowly getting there. Uh, here's the, can you juggle coffee? <laughs> That's trickier. Liquids are, uh, are, <laughs> are quite difficult. I could probably do like some bartending kind of tricks where you throw around bottles because in those the liquid stays easier. So <laughs> if you pour coffee into a, a wine bottle, then yeah. There you go. We'll put coffee in wine <laughs> bottles for you. Watch you juggle. We, we, you, you owe us a video of you juggling coffee, I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> what, three songs, what three songs would you like to put on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist, sir? Oh wow, that's an unexpected, uh, unexpected question. Um, my favorite from from already a long time, uh, long time before is Radiohead, and especially the OK Computer uh, album. All right. So I might put Paranoid Android would be a good track to to put on there, unless right. it's there already. Then I'm a huge Be Beatles fan from a long time ago. So the only trick is how to how to pick a track. Maybe for this kind of crypto anarchistic, slightly hippie thing that's happening, it might be like all you need is love. Okay. I mean, it could be greater. And for fairness, I'm a Finnish guy, so so let's put something something a little bit uh, out there. Uh, so let's put Jean Sibelius first symphony on there as well you got it. <laughs> especially the opening which is majestic so you got it you got it <laughs> if it's on spotify i'll throw it in the playlist henry okay, cool thank you very much for your time and i appreciate it okay thanks matthew All right, catch bye -bye. you later bye, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Henry. Henry, thank you very much for coming on the show. And if you want my personal opinion on Streamer, please head over to the YouTube channel, Crypto 101 with Matthew Aaron. As always, ApogeeCrypto.com, A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices, CryptoNews.com for your news, and WPOnTheFly.co for your website. In our next episode, we talk to Tracy Leparulo, and she's going to give us the history of blockchain from her perspective, Toronto, Canada. We'll see you in that episode. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.